Balkan Wanderers show. So it's 11.42 Central Standard Time. I am in the city of New Orleans uh, in Louisiana. Louisiana, of course, being the home state of the Kuhig family. And I am on my way about 100 miles out of town. I'm just leaving the famous French Quarter now where I'm staying for a couple of days. I'm on my way to St. Francisville, uh, which is where Rob and Missy live. I'm going to visit Rob at his home and then going to go and see Missy um, at The Conundrum, which is the bookshop that she runs uh, in St. Francisville. Uh, really looking forward to seeing if there's any Wiccan Wanderers uh, products on display at the shop. Uh, and also looking forward to meeting the Kuhigs dogs to find out whether or not they do in fact have the very necessary dog leads. Um, that we've talked about so much on the show over the past season. Hello. Hi, uh, it's Bob from Wickham Sound. Uh, I will you in. Thank you so much. Excellent. Great. So the doors are magically opening. I can hear the dogs barking already. Oh, the dogs are waiting for me. Oh, that's so sweet. Hello. I didn't know you had a golden retriever. Hello. <laughs> oh, I'll try not to run over your dogs. <sighs> Where is she? <laughs> I will try not to run over your dogs. I'm just going to park here. Uh. Hello! How are you? I was going to say, don't worry about the dog. You can't see them in. The other one's being stoked. Hello! How are you? It's terrible you coming all the way out here. Why? Well, because I'm so it's... excited to come all the way out here. Well, come on in. This one's Lady. Hello, that's, Lady. That's Buster. Okay. So, Lady, are you a golden retriever? Yes. You look, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have a golden retriever at home, so don't worry. I'm, I'm very aware of how... Rambunctious. How, how, yeah, uh, and just good brainless. Good to see you. Really good to see you. Thank you so much for, for oh, inviting me out. And look, my wife says I'm to make the apologies that the place is usually in much more pristine shape. But we just decided to move here full-time okay. from our home in New Orleans six months ago. And so, obviously, two of us can't live in this little place. Right, okay. So, the entire back half of the house is being redone. That's quite all right. I'm not even looking. Don't worry. Come on. I'm imagining, you know, given what you've done to Adams Park, I'm imagining it's going to be amazing. It is. <laughs> it's going to have fantastic Wi-Fi. Well, that's the one thing we do not have. Oh, really? Wi-Fi. Okay. Because it's so rural. And your boy, El Elton Ma Musk, yeah. has promised oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. me, but I think he diverted mine to the Ukraine. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, seriously, whatever you want to drink, we have. So, okay. Okay. Uh, would it be very bad to say tea? Have you, can you do tea? I think I can do okay, you want all right. hot tea. Uh, yeah, hot, hot English tea would be fantastic. Yeah, you know, my wife drinks hot English tea, and so she has instructed me on how to make okay. it, including that you you do the, the water, apparently, and then you turn it off after it's boiled. That's, that's yeah, that's the one. 
If you put, if you put it on, I'm happy to do basically the rest. Okay. All right. You will see your choice of uh -huh. jeans. <laughs> wow. Every time, one of the reasons I was able to persuade her to do this is that for 40 years I've been going to London, and she and I got married 18 years ago, uh -huh. and ever since she has insisted that I bring back tea. tea. <laughs> I didn't mean, you know, all the time I was going there, I didn't know Fordham and Mason existed. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but the beautiful thing is they now have it at the airport. Ah, okay. But they don't have all the flavors. Yeah, that. yeah, so. Okay, so you, which cup? I'm happy with the mug, that's okay. fine. Yeah, I, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not that English that I would go for the, the you know, my, my grand would go for teapots right. and things like that, but yeah, yeah. My wife is huge into the whole ceremony and she drinks tea morning and night oh wow okay and a big part of our life is watching english crime procedurals <laughs> okay where we have tea or she drinks yeah. tea i drink coffee i'm an american for yeah yes yeah, yeah. that's that's fair enough and uh we eat uh, walker uh, shortbreads okay oh, oh wow so and what sort of crime shows are we? Well, what are I started. I started with Inspector, um, Inspector Morse. Morse. Yeah, yeah, of course, the classic. The classic, and then I followed it right on through to um, Lewis. Yeah, went back to Endeavor, George Gently, all of them. Yeah, uh, and so now we're watching one. I guess BBC did. Uh, Victoria, this is out of Venice. Venice blood. Okay. Very. So yeah, you. There's like a whole little industry now. It is. They just keep going. There's, you know. And and so yeah, we we watch them all. They 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 keep finding different people to murder and whatever. Right. <laughs> and she's a huge reader, as you know, and I I read a lot. But from six thirty seven o'clock after dinner, we watch two hours of TV. We okay, crank yeah. through it. Yeah. <laughs> While drinking the tea. While drinking the tea. And going through the ritual, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. She's big on the ritual, so she, she, well, that's this morning's tea. Okay. Sugar. She's becoming more English than, than Pete, you know. It, it, well, you know. she's not handling the booze. Okay. Well. <laughs> I'm not thinking, but he handles it particularly yeah, yeah, yeah. well, but yeah. he handles it. Yeah. I liked what you said that time about him becoming a folk hero. With he the, is. And he is, yeah. I yeah. was on the phone with him today. He, you know, we've we've got to figure out something better than estranging him from his family ten months of yeah. the year. Yeah, I mean that must be so hard. And, it and is, particularly given you know given COVID and everything. You know, he's he's a saint. What what he's he done is. and the fact he's given up all of his time. But as I told him, you know, he it gives him an advantage because he can always say, well, you know, Rob, uh, he's never done this. He could though say. Well, I've done a lot. I think on this issue, maybe you could give in to me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but we've never had to do that. We, it's, it's been a remarkable journey for the two of us because my family's extremely close. I'm one of six. And so my brothers and sisters all have kids. We all gather at every opportunity, 30, 40, 50 of us at a time. And so that whole generation, Pete, my son, have gotten along since my mother used to take them all to the beach. Thirteen, my parents had thirteen grandchildren, all wow. boys. Wow, all and boys! And then my brother had a girl, and so we okay. had one girl. 
they, they could appear for the Wanderers. They, they could. could. They could do. You could have a and, team and you still have two on the bench. Yeah, and, and Pete was quite the player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then his son just emulated him. And, uh, oh, this is why it's not ringing. It, it, it's getting there, I think. It's, it's... I think it is, but I had to put this down, and I did not. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah so you so need to... So now I turn yeah. it off, right? Yeah. And we give it a moment or yeah, two. Yeah, we'll just give it a moment to slightly cool down, but but yeah, but that's fine. I'm impressed. You know what you're doing. Well. Um, but it must be hard, you know, the family times, because presumably Pete can't come back for all of them. So. No, he misses uh, too many. We were just on the phone. He's coming back. During COVID, it was horrible because there was no transportation. Yeah, yeah. And even when it stopped last summer and I made my first trip, it took me 36 hours because wow. the flights were so jumbled up and yeah. all that. But he'll come home next week or the 23rd, I guess, when we play our last mm -hmm. game. There's a two-week period yeah. there if you pre the match against Ascot. Yes, yeah, of course. And yeah. you can't pre No, it no, exactly. It's an important he, competition. <laughs> he won't be able to get to that. Um, but he'll come home for two weeks. Then he'll be back and then he'll come back again. And then the summer will be with us either one hopes, if we're not automatically promoted, immediately after the uh, yeah, playoffs. Yeah, of course, because there's the, you know, it, it, it might go on for another two or three weeks, depending right. upon. That's fantastic. So what are you doing in New Orleans? Um, so, so really, to be honest, New Orleans was just the end of my trip to come and see you guys. Come on. Now, seriously, that, that was the, you know, that was the point. Did you talk somebody into paying for this? Video? No, no, I should have done. Because I, 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 actually, I said that to Colin, um, who, who obviously right. presents the show with me this morning. You know, I should have contacted the, the, the Louisiana tourist people that you're forever showing round right. the, you know, and said to them, hey, I'm coming. I could have set you up to interview the Lieutenant Governor. How long yeah. are you here for? Um, so here until Saturday, so. Let me see if I can't get him on the <laughs> okay. line. that would yeah. be very cool. Or even when I'm back home, I can still Right, yeah, him. well, yeah. I can do that. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I help run his campaigns and okay. stuff, so. so. So, yeah, so that was the main reason. So, so actually, the, the reason that I'm out in Vegas, and oh, sorry, in, 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 in the US, was first of all to go to Vegas, Few days in Vegas because I hadn't been for a while, right. so I really enjoyed that. And then Are you a gambler? A, a little bit of a right. gambler, you know. I, do, I just like the whole Vegas scene. It's just an interesting town. It to is. Why? Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't gamble at all, but you know, you go out there, you take a hundred bucks, and you play with it. It's. I don't understand it. I'm standing there rolling craps, and I'm thinking. I could buy everybody at this table, and they got five times as much money out there, and they're having a better time than I am. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, it. I mean, craps is something that from right. from back in England, we the, that's just I don't get that at all. Right. So you know, so I I stay with the safe one. So roulette, yeah, I can just about figure that out. Blackjack. And the other, you know, poker maybe just about. Right. But yeah, I mean, and also craps is so intimidating because it's almost played in like that little stadium with the dice. Correct. And everyone's standing around you. And it's like, I, I don't quite know what I'm going to be doing. You know, Pete's quite the poker player. Is he? Okay. And do you know why? It's an interesting story. He and his father, his father is probably the best investor I've ever known in my life. Mm -hmm. And when he got out of college, he, he worked for my dad for a while, and then he worked for the state as an economic development guy. And then he left to start his own fund for some fellows who had money. 
ultimately he bought him out. But when Pete came to work for him when he got out of college, Kevin was doing a lot of loan processing, which meant also making the loans, but also collecting on the loans. He made Pete go learn to play poker. And not just like learn the rules, but play it play. for real. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that he could evaluate people and make quick judgments, because wow. Pete's very quick mentally with numbers and the like. But yeah, yeah, of course. as Kevin yeah. said, there's a difference between being quick mentally and putting it down on a sheet of paper. Yeah. It's different when you got to look a guy in the eye and you're yeah. making those. And so Pete uh, has played in some high-level tournaments. Oh, done wow. Well. Yeah. Right, I think that's Bruges. So where can I okay. put the tea bag? Um, if you've got a... Yeah. Right there. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you you want milk? Um, some milk will be great, please. And then we're, we're good to go with that. If you don't tell my wife, I'm going directly from the container. <laughs> That's you, fine. Would you don't rather cream? Uh, uh, no, milk will be great. I'm not expecting you to put it in a little jug or anything. Okay. No, that's, that's fine. That's that's perfect. That's how we have it at home. That's brilliant. Then you want honey? Uh, no, that's good. Just as it is, it's fine. Because, you know, we have our own honey here. Oh, wow, do you? Sure, we got bees and everything. We're a full service shop. I'm very you impressed. Want to go sit out on the front? Yeah, that would be or great. Or can sit inside if it's too uh, chilly. I'm happy to go out in the front. That's fine. Oh, sure. right. So, so you have the Wicked Wanderer's dog lead. Oh, that that yes. was one of the questions, was, was do the dogs get walked on the Wicked Wanderer's leash? And yes. they do. When we lived in New Orleans, they both used to get walked on a daily basis. I'm wondering if Buster's collar is a Wicked collar. Yeah, it, does, it looks the same, same color. Yeah. Hello. And we have photos of Buster watching games with us in his Wickham t-shirt. Oh, fantastic. So, so the one thing I'm going to say to Missy is, so we have four dogs at home. So yeah, so, so it would be great to have the home, the away, and maybe the two goalkeeper as the leads. Right. That would be wonderful. I, you know, just so that then they've all got their own ones. So what's the ringing we can hear? Is that the... Chimes. Ah, okay. Very nice. They are distributed, Missy and I, when we travel, we used to bring home a set of chimes. Okay. And so we have three or four of them in storage from the house in New Orleans. This place will be redone, including the lawns and stuff, in the next two months, we think. It's, but, uh, you know, it's very impressive. <laughs> it, we've had fun with it. We bought this after Katrina. Uh-huh. Um, when our house in New Orleans, we were staying with my brother. We weren't sure if we'd be able to get back to our house. Uh, and then after a month, we realized we'd be able to get back to it, but we wouldn't be able to live in it for two or three more months mm -hmm. because of all the things. We were lucky. We didn't get any real damage, but just the way the city was. And in the meantime, we, I had grown up here in this area. And I had sworn I was never coming back. You know how you do when you <laughs> okay, leave and go yeah, away? Yeah. <laughs> So all of a sudden... Was it very much a, that's it, I'm done with it? I'm I not, did. I got yeah. on the plane to go to college. My pop said, are you going to be sad? I said, what time's the plane leaving, man? Get me on the plane. Yeah, I, I, I could imagine my son being a bit like that. So he's on the cusp of going to university, and yeah, yep. I think he'll be the same. So we... Um, uh, but after after Katrina, we, we bought this and began redoing it. So it was 
For you guys, it's new construction. For mm -hmm. us, it's old, 1803. Okay. Well, that's not And that's if you pretty climb good. underneath the house, you can see the trees that wow. were literally hand chopped and fit in together to form the foundation. Yeah. Um, so we, we have kind of redone it once or twice, but this past spring, and this is sort of a Wickham residue of my going over there now, trying to get over once a month for a week, uh, living here, living in New Orleans, we realized that we were becoming slaves to our houses, mm -hmm. and you don't get to go to Paris or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, again, that's a very English person thing, is that, you know, whenever you speak to Americans, they always then say, oh, you must get over to Paris right. and you must get to Germany. It's like, no, no, we don't do that. In the, the fact that you're saying you never get to Paris, that, you know, you're definitely becoming an honorary English person. <laughs> there you go. It's, you know, even though it's just, you know, what, two right. hours by train? Yeah. Yeah, doesn't work. This is lovely. This is, this is your Downton Abbey room. I'm very impressed. Big, big Downton Abbey people. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Is that another one of Mrs. Ones when she's not watching crime? Yes. Okay, yeah. She's, uh, when the movie came out, we actually watched the movie in High Wycombe. Oh, wow, okay. We've been up to, uh, what's that, High Clare? Yeah. Uh, and did the Jane Austen presentation. There was a uh -huh. lecture series or lecture up there. We have some friends of ours who we travel with, and we all went up there. Uh, Fantastic. Yes. So, let, 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 let's talk Wiccan Wanderers. Okay. Um, so, so, first of all, what, the latest on the, the Derby County situation, and I appreciate it's a legal situation, so if there's things you can say, can't say, that's absolutely fine. Uh, uh, there's nothing really to say. Um, I don't know a heck of a lot more than everybody else who picks up the paper in the morning and wants to see what the administrator's latest pronouncement is. Okay, yeah. Uh, I can say that the last time I went over, which was, what, two or three weeks ago, uh, I had a brief conversation for the first time since November with the administrator. They gave us some idea of what they would be prepared to recommend, but they... <laughs> They didn't have any authority because they're not doing anything. And I told them that I would send them back a response, which I did the next day, and that I would look to hear from them. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're still waiting. Yeah. And so is it right that they've now settled with Middlesbrough? That's what they say. Okay. Take this the right way. I take everything that happens with that whole situation with a ton of salt uh, because I don't know if anybody really knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. I, when, it, when it first happened, let me go back. When we played Middleborough and we beat them on the last day of the yep. season and we ended up one point behind... I told the gaffer that, as far as I was concerned, it is, was likely we were going to be in the championship, that they had obviously bended the rules, to say it nicely, and that there was a points deduction that should be given immediately. Um, that 
so I wasn't surprised when the league came out with two different schedules because it made sense. Yeah. And, most, and completely unprecedented. In, right. in, you know, in, in my knowledge of football going way back to 1982 when I started right. you know, really, really studying it, well, I don't think that's ever been done before. And one of the reasons is, is because the difference was so clear, so, so minute between us. The timing was the only issue. And so the league, in its defense, needed to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And the judgment of the panel had said, at the latest, Darby needed to file their um, new financials under the agreed scheme by August the 14th, which was a week or two after the season began. Most rational people knew that they were going to file it and they would immediately be deducted the penalties. So the league wanted to be prepared. I pushed and wanted to be prepared. Darby didn't answer. People forget this. They didn't file them by August the 14th. We could have, I don't know that the league would have agreed, but I suspect they would have switched places as late as August the 14th or even the 21st because what most people don't realize, Darby and we had exactly the same record. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Up until August the 21st yeah. or thereabouts. Yeah. And so it would have been no harm, no foul, and off we could have gone. The reason I feel particularly aggrieved for our club is Mel Morris acknowledging that he deliberately didn't want to file him because he knew the moment he did, there would be a points deduction. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes ours different than most. It's not a question of, well, if the league had done X, Y, or Z, it is that he, following a pattern, he he deliberately avoided the, his responsibility. It created a 16 million pound loss for us if you go at a minimum over two years. Now, look, we're rational people. You don't, You're not going to get 16 million pounds from a deadbeat yeah. company, but there is something to be had there and, and I can't get into what we've told them but uh, it's a rational settlement could be had or we'll go try the thing and if we try it we're going to end up with a very substantial judgment and that's what people don't understand doesn't matter to me if we make sense to settle it but if we don't we'll take our chances and off we go is there a sense of Derby doing that normal thing of thinking it's little Wickham Wanderers, so therefore actually we're, we're going to try? It, it was interesting to me that, and I know you said you take it with a pinch of salt, that they've already said that they've settled with Middlesbrough. Now, going back a long, long time before you were getting into football, you know, Derby and Middlesbrough are probably old friends from the, the old First Division days. And whereas they probably look at Wickham as being this this little club, possibly in their words, certainly not mine, that maybe didn't deserve to even be in the championship that season. So why should we give them any money? No question about it. And and their perception was, you know, they they had a known quantity in Steve Gibson and Middleborough. As you say, they've known each other forever. Uh, I think they've changed their mind. I think they did a little research 
I am not, you know, I found it amusing missing... A, a little research about you yeah. and your background. <laughs> uh, I, we found it amusing. One weekend, something particularly egregious was said by somebody, and so we had 500 people from Derby emailing us, Twittering us, hoping that for the worst possible outcomes for our health and the like. And, and you almost had to laugh not, I felt sorry for the people, but who did they think they were dealing with? Sure. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, they've intimidated me, I give up. What people don't understand, I take my responsibility seriously. It's not just for me, 25% of the club's owned by the trust. Mm-hmm. I, I owe it to them. And as my wife will tell you, Half of my 75% owned by her. <laughs> I better take it serious for her. Yeah. yeah. And also, you know, I know that you are a guy who loves your sport. And so I'm sure that there is some sympathy within you for the fans of, of Derby County. But actually, we're not talking really about the fans of Derby County. No. We're talking about the, the, the business people the behind it. The corporate side of yeah. it that sat there and made a deliberate decision. Not, And here's why. They knew that if they fulfilled their obligation, they would be now in League One trying to sell a League One club for 50 million pounds. With the likelihood that they're going to get deducted because they would have had the points deduction. Uh, You know what they should have done in my... Look, they did what they needed to do. If it had been me, I would have gone in, I would have thrown myself at the mercy of the EFL, I would have said, pound me for every point you can possibly think of, but do it now, send me down, so that I can go out and sell this club as a clean League One club with a beautiful stadium, with a beautiful manager, and we'll take our chances of going up again. Yeah, yeah. And they would have been back in the championship in all likelihood this year, or next year. Yeah, yeah. Talking then of League One, um, how how is this season going uh, for for Rob Cooley? Well, for me, I I don't kick a ball. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it. Uh, look, being able to get back and be with the fans is huge. I really like what we have done off the pitch. The new training, uh, not new training ground, but the the redo of the training ground has been sensational. I don't know that. People understand why we would spend the money we did on it. But from my perspective, it's where the players and coaches have their office. It's where they go to do the 95% of their work that that comes across on a Sunday or a Saturday. Yeah, it, it is their workplace, really. It I, is. You know, we, we think of it as the stadium, but actually that's not true. It's, right. It, it's the they spend part. three hours every two weeks at the stadium. Yeah. They spend 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week at the training grounds. So we wanted it to be nice. And, and look, the trust membership and volunteers have done great. But we've got that. You know, for the first time, they actually have good Wi-Fi uh, without Mr. Musk's help. Uh, <laughs> he says with a certain bitterness. Uh, but uh, they have a new media room. They have enough room for the coaches. We've done, we've, Pete and I were talking about, we have a 50% bigger coaching staff than we did when we came in. We have 50% more trainers and the like than we did when we came in. We have analysts that didn't exist when we came in. We have a squad that's 
15 people bigger than it ever was. And we, did, we have a squad. The very fact that you're using the term squad, right. which, which, you know, which definitely previously Gareth would talk about a team rather right. than a squad. So. Uh, so, yeah. And then at the stadium itself, my frustration is I don't know if people understand how huge the change is and how comparatively good our stadium is to every other stadium, not just not just League One stadiums, but virtually top to bottom with our technology. Not just, yeah, we got a great scoreboard, but half of the League One teams have a great scoreboard. We have the state-of-the-art LED boards that go around. Two or three premier clubs have that same state-of-the-art. So I can't say I'm, we're unique on that. The combination in League One puts us apart. Mm -hmm. We have brand new floodlights, something I never thought would be big, but it's huge. And I give my man Trevor Stroud, he said, we got to have floodlights, okay? You can be in charge. Get us the flood. And if you notice, sometimes after we score, they'll do the little, yeah, that's yeah. Trevor. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the speaker system is truly state-of-the-art, and I blame my brother Kevin for that. Kevin owned a company by the name of Presonus. And you'll see the Presonus. Yeah. Kevin, as a gift, gave us $30,000 worth of speakers. And so I told him, thanks a lot. It's ended up costing me a million and a half because those, those speakers weren't what was actually needed for inside the stadium. We had to change out the entire inside so that we now have the best speaker system of a stadium in the UK. And when we did that, we had to change out our CCTV. So we now have state of the, you can look at your face as you're coming down Hill Bottom Road towards the stadium. And you can say, hey, it's Bob from Wickhamstone. That's exactly, this guy's nothing but trouble. <laughs> and, and we can pitch point everybody and we have two sets of, of phone systems and all that. And, and the thing that's most remarkable, and I didn't understand this, is in the UK, apparently broadband access, Wi-Fi access in stadiums is still relatively spotty. It, it, it's terrible. Uh, well, I, you know, ours, I, I, I watch a lot of football back home, not right. only Wickham Wanderers, and the number of times you go into a stadium, and of course it's half-time, you know, it's, it's right. before the game at half-time. That's when you want to access it. You want to know what the half-time scores are. Right. You want to know what the team is before beforehand. Basically, our ground is one of the very, very few that you can use the Wi-Fi, and that's a huge thing for and any football fan. Everybody there can use it at the same yeah. time. As a result, we have had, well, Chelsea came, but I suspect they're not in the market today to buy it. <laughs> But we've had a half a dozen Premier League clubs come and look at our system. Uh, we've had innumerable lower league clubs come and championship league one clubs come and look at it because it's spectacular. And so, but we don't do a good job of, and, and maybe we do a good job of advertising and maybe I miss how, I, I'm just so impressed with it myself. I want everybody to be impressed with it. I think people are impressed, 
But I think also it's almost the reverse, that people are so unimpressed when they go to the other big stadiums and it doesn't work because you're so used to Wi-Fi working anywhere and everywhere that when you actually get somewhere that it doesn't. And the the classic example is Wembley Stadium, which, of course, is is also sometimes, depending on the event, known as Wembley Stadium sponsored by EE, who are, of course, a mobile company. Um, and it has by far the worst mobile phone reception I've had at any ground. Really? Yeah. And, and it's sponsored by a mobile right. phone company. So I think when you go to Adams Park, you're pleasantly surprised. But it's quite easy to then forget right. that actually, that, hey, this is fairly unique in a, in a football term. So, and we have the new speakers outside that are just coming in. I think we put them in for the last game. Finally used Kevin's speakers. So we have wonderful speakers outside. Uh, We're working on the access that remains the bugaboo to the place. Uh, Until we get that beat, I suspect we're putting our head against the wall a little bit. Is there there any ever a time where you think, actually, you know, is there somewhere else in Wickham we could be? Have you considered moving away from Adam's Park? Remember that I am like 95% of owners never 100% satisfied with the deal or what you got. Uh, I would, my partner in this is the trust and they are our landlord and they are jealous about the use of the facility as they should be. Uh, But every once in a while we, we think, gosh, we're spending a lot of money. Do we really want it to spend it here or would we better off spending it out on the 404? where someplace but you got to find a big chunk of land you got to pay for a big chunk of land and I'm I'm at an age where I don't know that I want to get into a six or eight year battle to put together a new stadium yeah uh, but we have to do something with the terrace in um, it is fit for purpose but it could be so much better I would like to bring it closer to the pitch itself I'd like to make it a little bit more vertical. I'd like to put more uh, hospitality area underneath or on top or both. Uh, And I'd like the sound to come from it to be as good or better than from the visiting area, which drives me nuts because they have that great acoustical area. Um, But we've come up with a plan for that as well. Um, We're probably going to divide the visiting area uh, a way end in half next year and sort of move half of them onto the family side. Now, you did that a few weeks ago, and I thought it was wonderful. So you had the kids from Millbrook School yes. come in. And you know, because they're school kids, you know, they made a lot of noise right. the whole game. And it, was, it, yeah, it, it worked. It was a really, really good use of that space. I have to tell you that the Millbrook School, a we're in a partnership with them now of where course, they yeah. park cars. And Pete and Neil came to me and said, or Matt, and said, look, we'd like to give these tickets to the Millbrook School. Well, one thing people have learned is you don't go to Rob and say you want a discount or a give. I don't mind writing a personal check, but I don't want the club to. And I was, I was opposed to it, but Pete used his goodwill, Matt used theirs, and, and I agreed to it. 
And by coincidence, uh, for that game, we did a promotion for our subscription plan. And the guy who won, I don't know if this was top prize or the lowest prize, got to spend the day with me. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah. And so we're sitting having breakfast, and I said to him, when was the first time you went to a Wickham game? He said, well, when I was in school, they gave us a free ticket. Yeah, okay, maybe these guys are on stuff. Definitely. I, I think if you could give some tickets away to, to, to a school for a, you know, right. each different game, you're going to get some of those kids. Right. You know, definitely. I mean, you know, the first game I went to, first football game I went to was when I was eight years old. Oh, really? Um, and, you know, and, and I've been a football fan ever, ever since. And, you know, and I think there's a lot of similar stories as sure. well. You know, if you give the tickets to, you know, to the parents and, uh, and the kids, then yeah, definitely. But it was a great use of that that right. stand. No, they they convinced me. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's really good to hear. But yeah, so with regards to the access, can you ever see another road going? I don't I don't, I don't even know. At, yeah. at the other side of the yeah. the the, the club? Uh, And I'm not telling stories out of school. We're working at that okay. constantly. Okay. Uh, I in fact asked Neil, who's our operations guy. Uh, and Trevor, why don't we have it? Let's, what do we need to do? And so we, that is Neil and I kid because I always come over there and I come up with a list of 23 things I'd like to do. Uh, but this is, that's top in the off season. Uh, the only other thing I want to do that's even higher on, as high on that list is probably the replacement of most of the men's bathrooms. <laughs> You know, isn't that weird? Yeah, but I can understand that as well. Um, so, so yeah, you know, you, you do... Have to, it's, but the thing is, it's a room that you spend such a, a short amount of time. Right. Uh, but, you know, but at the same time, yeah, I, I mean, get where you're coming you from. want people to... I want people, when they go there, to walk away and say, that was a terrific time. Did we win? <laughs> and yeah. then if we win, it's just that much better. Sure. I think the trouble with... English football culture is that actually the winning is for 95% of the people who go that's the number one thing now I went to the the Pelicans game last night and I was really interested in that actually the whole psychology is slightly different now the game was really poor it was a really bad game the Orlando first bad game we've played in a while okay yeah so Orlando Magic were much better really and should have been far further ahead and the, the Pelicans didn't take the opportunities that they had right. to actually to, to be closer. But what really fascinated me was that, you know, with still 20, 30 seconds to go, they would be doing things like the fan cam and the dance cam or whatever. Now, if you did that at Wickham and we would say 2-0 down with after 85 minutes, you'd probably get a lot of fans doing rude gestures and, and not wanting to know. But doing it at the Pelicans game, everyone's still having a good time and dancing around. And I thought, this is the difference between us. No, is that's... That actually, in England, everybody goes because all they want to see is a Wickham 1-0 win. It doesn't matter if it's a rubbish game and if it's a really poor goal. If we come away and we've won 1-0, everyone's like, oh, yeah. Whereas the amazing thing with the Pelicans, even when they knew that they were going to lose, everyone's still having a good time. Well, you know, it's... You're very perceptive because... When I talked about buying the club, my brother Kevin, who is a huge English Football League fan, 
uh, English football fan, I should say. He's been a Liverpool guy for 40 years, used to fly over to watch the team a couple of times a year, uh, knows every player for the past 50 years. Uh, Pete, big, big football fan. I am. I didn't come into it that way. I was a baseball guy, which is even more like that Pelicans game, yeah. because you play 150 times a year. If you're going to get emotionally beat up because you lose a game, you got no place in this. Um, and and they both cautioned me that my natural sort of tendency towards showmanship and having a good time ran the risk of being uh, not welcome is the kindest term I will use by the traditional fan. And that I had to be very careful in how I approached it. Fireworks. I am in love <laughs> yeah. with fireworks. Let's make sure that that's done. <laughs> yeah. I get criticisms from people saying, what is this about? Why are we, we don't need to waste our money on fireworks. And I'm thinking, it didn't cost you a penny. <laughs> Uh, what do you think? Because I don't have fireworks, I'm going to have somebody else playing striker next week? How about we recognize that it's the totality of the experience? And here's, just as I acknowledged that free ticket actually got me somebody, we have had many a family call up and say, just trying to make sure you guys are having fireworks because the family loves the fireworks. Now, there is, there is a coterie of people, a strong coterie, who, if we never have fireworks again, will be happy. The fact that we've never lost a game with fireworks I was gonna say. <laughs> works in our favor, and so we're trying to figure out if they should put them on for Saturday or not, but it's hard at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but, yeah, so th that cultural divide, that's probably, I mean, the biggest difference, and, of course, Kevin... And I'm, I'm a reader, so I've now gone back and educated myself on how the sport came to be, you know, from the mill guys working for six days and you get off at noon and you go get yourself loaded and then you go watch the mill team play yeah. that the owner that the owner sponsored to make everybody feel better. And then you could get drunk and you could have a fight and it was all male-dominated. Uh, and... and one of the first things we try to do, and the reason we have Missy on the board, is that we believe in a family atmosphere. And that sort of runs headlong into a lot of traditionalists who think it ought to just be the guys out drinking beer and yelling and screaming. But a lot of the women do, too. So we live in a different culture. Um, I think it's interesting day. you come at it from a baseball point of view. Because I think, and I possibly even said this to you before, I think there's a lot of similarities back home between baseball and cricket. Right. In that people will go to cricket, and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it, it, they're, well, they're, the they're game going, broke out while I was there. Yeah, <laughs> they're happy to go, they'll drink the beer, they'll have a good time, and they'll come away, and whether your team has won or lost doesn't really, you know, unless it's the Ashes or something like that, right. it doesn't really matter. Whereas I think football, our football's codes, both of them are very similar I haven't been to see the Saints play, but I have seen various football teams, and I would imagine that you know if the Saints have lost, 
maybe there wouldn't have been quite so many fans doing the dance camp thing, say, towards the end. No, there would not be. And in fact, there's a palpable deflation of people's enthusiasm in the city of New Orleans when, remember, I grew up when the Saints never won uh, or rarely won. And when you were losing, it just sort of took it out of you. Uh, I'm a big college football fan. LSU, when they're winning, there's nothing better. You walk into that stadium, 100,000 people screaming and yelling and having a great time. And when you walk out, if they've won, everybody's still having a great time. If yeah. you've lost, you got to be careful. There might be a fistfight breaking out. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's almost that, that's right. the culture. I think that's what you're dealing with with regards to yeah. people who then complain about the fireworks and whatever. And it's such a minor thing, I realise. But well, it's not. It, it is, and it's not because a sport and an enterprise can only be successful if it understands the culture in which it it operates. One of my deals is to try and subtly change a little bit of the culture and say it's okay to have a good time. You know? yeah. Even if we lost, it's you don't want to be happy that you lost, but it's not like anybody got killed, for God's sakes, and we're going to play again 45 more times. Yeah. And, and you know, but, but the thing that has been incredible to me that I did not understand is the existential nature of the English football system. If you get relegated, oh my God, that is, nobody may get killed, but somebody can lose a job. And I'm not talking about a high-priced manager. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about if I'm in League One next year as opposed to championship, I will have probably 30 less people working for us. Those are real jobs. Yeah, and those are people that you know. Yeah, and so you get to know them. Uh, is that something, and I'm not suggesting at all that you're going to become head of the EFL or anything, is that something that you would like to change? Would you, no. would, would you like to see the American system come into England? Or is there actually Vice something, versa. I was going to say, is there something that could be Let learned? Let me tell you, it, if, if you could take that and put it into American baseball, it would change baseball so much for the better. Uh, there is nothing, well, I say nothing worse, but to go watch the Marlins and the Tampa Bay Rays when they're both in last place and it's the middle of August and it's hot and you're out there and it's you and 8,000 and your closest friends in a 50,000-seat stadium, and it's awful, except baseball's a different game. I'm sitting there watching a baseball game. I'm drinking beer. You and I are having a conversation. Yeah. My wife's reading a book next to me. You know? But if there was a chance... That the the Marlins going out, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then 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 have thirty five thousand yeah. people. I mean, of in course, there. that's what happens, isn't it? Yeah, is that you know that that yeah, Adams Park becomes packed and would have been packed last season. And as you right, you, write, you know, some of those final games, you know, if the fans have been there, well, would that's have been why a huge difference. And and I I got to tell you, I beat my head against the wall, and then I realized I I was wrong. That this is in fact one of the reasons. People are so intense about these games because everything matters. And soccer, baseball, yeah, you win or lose on the swing of a bat. But you know when the guy's getting ready to swing the ball, uh, swing the bat. In soccer, I'm, I can't get up. 
because, yeah, your team's got the ball and they're going down, but we could steal it and be out on a breakaway and I missed the only score of the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you've got to sit there for the 90 minutes. And particularly with Wickham Wanderers, don't leave yeah. until, until it's over. Until it's over. Yeah. When, yeah. when we were looking at various teams, I had a guy, Mark Palmer, helping me out. And we were down in Yeovil, and I said to Mark, I said, I'm looking at their, remember my background, again, baseball. I'm trying to figure out how much food and drink I can get you to eat in the course of nine innings, right? So I built our concession stands when we built our new stadium so that even as you're buying your food and drink, you're looking at the game. But you, So you're not missing much, but you can constantly be rotating through. Yeah. And everybody, all during the game, is up in that concourse area, eating, drinking, talking to each other. But it's great that you can do that and still watch the game. Right. And I would love that to be a, a standard thing at our football. So, so I tell this to Mark, and I said, why don't we have that at our soccer get matches where people could get up? He said, let me tell you, I'm not leaving while the game's on there, if I got to go to the bathroom, I'd rather be on myself <laughs> than get up and leave. And I'm like, I can't believe this. But when it comes down to it, though, that's not true. And you do go to the bathroom. Right. And as a Chicago Cubs fan, what I loved about going to Wrigley Field was that you could go to the bathroom and that they will pipe Pat Hughes's commentary absolutely into the into the bathroom, so you still know what's going on. And they if have the TVs have, in the bathroom. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. You know, this is a perverse thought because I know him, but couldn't we have Phil Catchpole's commentary piped into the bathrooms at Adam's You know, that's a great idea. I I know of no reason why we can't. Uh, Speaking of great hires, one of the best things we have done in our two years was convince Phil to leave what was a relatively safe position and come with us. He's a professional. You know this. Yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, and and he's been already changing Wanderer TV. But just Wrigley Field's one of my greats. But, you know, I tried cases around the United States. And one, one time I was in Chicago for a couple of weeks, and a buddy of mine who went to college with me, I got tickets because I owned a baseball team. And we went there and watched batting practice, and we had a couple of beers. And the next thing you know, we're both passed, not passed out, but we're sound asleep in the sun. And Andre Dawson, that's how long ago this was, hits a home run to win the game, and we both woke up. (laughs) What just happened? No idea. Wow. But what a great, that's what I loved about baseball. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting and it's fun, but it's also a, you know, we covered 20 years of our history while we were sitting there drinking beer. (laughs) And that's the great thing about baseball. Um, With regards to the TV package, I'm surprised that the EFL don't sell them separately so that possibly you could have the championship being sold to Sky, League One sold to BT Sport, because it would get so much more coverage than the little scattering of games that League One and League Two get, say, live. I think it's because the owners don't recognize the value of what they have. So many of the owners have gotten into it for, and we saw this in minor league baseball. They got into it because they love the sport and they're from their hometown, and so they're gonna make sure their town does all right. That's probably 40% of them. There's another 
30% who think, if I can get this team up into the Premier League, I can make a gazillion dollars and it'll be good. So, And then you have 30% who are trying to find their way, but there's so little support to try anything different. Um, the good thing for us in COVID is I got to meet a lot of U.S. owners via telephone. And so you begin to share common stories. One of the things that came out as a result was we all were supportive of cost controls. Oh my gosh. And some of the guys didn't want it. You know, well, how do I put my money up to make sure? Well, you know what? If we all have the same amount of money, NBA style, NFL style, Major League Baseball style, yeah, you can put a tax on it if you want to spend more money. But we, we control spending, mm -hmm. and then it's on me to hire a better manager or build a better training facility or do things, and I'm actually trying to build value in my club that will sustain beyond it. I, uh, I have begun to proselytize for uh, a, a cap of spending on players that's not related to how much you can spend per individual, but... Take the total package you get from the league in media money, solidarity money, whatever it is. That's it. Spend whatever you want on developmental players. Mm -hmm. But if you're a 25 or 30 person squad, if you get $2.5 from the league, that's what you get to spend. Okay. Everybody's even. Now, do I then have to pay Gareth more money? Probably because, you know, everybody said, well, that guy does a lot with little. Yeah. So he becomes more valuable than if, uh, you know, the, the club down at Ipswich drives me nuts. They get bought by a pension fund. And I asked somebody, you know, how do you convince a pension fund to buy a club where you're going to lose money mm. by definition? Isn't the point of the pension fund to accumulate? And I was told that they convinced the pension fund they will get their money back when they get to the Premier League. Oh, my God. Yeah. Please send these people over to see me. Yeah. I have a club. And you think there's so many clubs who are all trying to do the same thing. Yes. And that's, you know, and only three clubs go up a season. And most of the time these days, they're the it's three same, that came back down. Yeah, these three of, three you know, of six or seven yeah. clubs. Yeah. Yep. I know that I got to know the CEO of... Uh, of Fulham, not uh, maybe not CEO. The guy who lives in Jackson, Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. uh, his his friend and my friend, we talked a lot. And man, the difference though for those guys when they go up. And of course, what Fulham's doing with their real estate investment all around is huge. It's I find it that's the part I love. I I could get really excited <laughs> by all that. You mentioned Gareth. Um, with regards to, say, our, our recent dip in form, is there ever a, a time where you have what we might call this sort of itchy finger trigger syndrome where you're thinking, is, is this the right guy for to be leading no. Wicked Wanderers? No. Um, two reasons. Philosophically, I've run both of my law firms and my other businesses, and I am never a believer that, oh my gosh, you tried a case and you lost it, therefore you're not good enough. Um, it's the body of work that I'm looking at. Are we making progress as time goes on? 
you can't measure in sport, it seems to me, even if you have a disastrous run of 20 games. That doesn't mean anything. It's why are you doing it? What's happened? What, what did we look forward to and the like? And so I, I have told Gareth, and this was during, either early on or, be, or during the run, I said, man, the one thing you should never worry about is your job security. You can lose the next 20 games, and I'm going to expect to see you next August here. Uh, he makes it easy to say that. I am convinced that he's a good judge of talent. He's a very good man manager. He's pretty good at managing me, which is part of the manager's job, truthfully. Uh, you know, he keeps me informed. Uh, he and Pete and Andrew, I think, have a great eye for talent. Uh, so, look, if I, I expect to be promoted at the end of this year, but if we're not, that's the vagaries of sport, not the failure of him. Now, if he were to come up and do something absurd, that'd be different, but I don't see it. I mean, he's at an age where you know what you got. And then I, I watch a lot of these guys. What are they expecting the manager to do? Is he going to kick the ball? Yeah, Frank Lampard recently saying, yeah. you know, did you, did you think I had a magic wand? Uh, it's really heartening to hear you say that. And really that question was for, for all of the people or the, the, the minority of people on Facebook on one of the Wicked Wanderers groups that I've read in the past couple of weeks where they're questioning the manager. And you think, well, this is the guy who's got us up, you know, out of League Two, out of League One. And, and surely after 500 games and 10 years, you must realize that actually we're onto such an amazingly good thing. I hate to disappoint your listeners, but I don't do Facebook. I think I have something left over from when I ran for mayor 20 years ago. They opened up a Facebook account. I wouldn't know how to get onto it. My wife looks at it, but she's very judicious. She doesn't let anybody be her friends who's not her friend. I got a buddy or two of mine who are on it because they're like all soccer fans or football fans. They want to know what everybody's saying. And so they will call me occasionally and say, oh, you know, you got some disgruntled fans. Well, okay. Everybody has disgruntled fans. Right. You know, it doesn't matter if you're Manchester City or, or, you know, or, or whether you're Swindon. You got to remember my background. I ran for mayor and then I endorsed the guy who ultimately became mayor. And ultimately he went to jail. Okay. So... So I have had okay. people vilify me in the past. <laughs> You're used to it. Another thing that I notice on Facebook is some of the season ticket holders from a couple of seasons ago when they wavered the, um, the, the amounts, I think were very much under the impression that you were going to hold the party of all parties for yeah, them. Yeah. And, and <laughs> What's happened to the party of all parties, Rob? That's a fair question. I think if there's one thing I, I would take personal responsibility for not fulfilling, it's that so far. Part of it, and this is, it's, I'm going to give you a litany of excuses, but I want to start with saying there is no excuse. Time got away from us. We were unable to keep coming over there the way we thought. And so for the first quarter of the season or third of the season, you couldn't plan very much. People don't remember this, but in September, nobody was sure if we would play the full season, sure. what the circumstances were. So COVID's only, you know, it's still a rest. So uh, 
we should have done better. So we've tried to do some things since then. Recently on Wickham, on Wanderer TV, we have some stuff that's behind the paywall. We've made that available to everybody who left the money in. Where we are looking to bring in, uh, and I don't know when this will be going out, but we're looking to create on the weekend when we were going to play Fleetwood. Now that game's been moved up to the 15th. either having a uh, in-house scrimmage or something that those fans would be invited to watch and have free beer and dogs and, and the like, uh, and do more things. So it's probably, I love a good party. We're probably not going to end up having the party of all parties, uh, but we'll end up constantly thanking them and giving them more and more stuff. Yep, absolutely fair enough. Thank you for answering that so so honestly. Well, it's a fact of life. Uh, with regards to, to Wondrous TV, I think that's absolutely great. What then are the sort of the, the plans for that? Because I know that actually there's, there's other things on the horizon. I love Wondrous TV. I am a huge believer. This gets into our belief that EFL football is a huge international property. Uh, I follow was good, but we had to use the template that was given to us by the EFL. We couldn't have our own website that didn't follow the template. We couldn't do as much behind the scenes things. Um, Phil was brought on because he's a smart innovative guy in addition to being I think the finest commentator I've heard in any sport and I've been dealing with guys in a lot of sports because he's got a natural enthusiasm he can be for the hometown but also criticize the hometown at the same that's a fine line that a lot of guys can't do it the old Harry Carey uh, deal of Harry would talk about what was good, bad, and indifferent yeah. with the Cubs. And it's really interesting to hear you, as the, the owner of Wicker Wanderers and the employer of Phil, say that as well. Well, and, and you remember Steve Stone, when he was with Harry, he would try and get Harry to calm down sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my son wants me to talk Phil into coming up with a video dictionary of Philisms, you know? <laughs> what does it mean to maraud down the left-hand channel? You know, okay, for those yeah, of us in yeah. the United States. Or, or he had some other terms he was he was using, and Robbie called me up in frustration. He says, look, two things. Since Phil took over Wanderers TV, we haven't won. <laughs> that was several weeks. Yeah. And Phil quickly rejoined, he said, no, we won the Oxford game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell Robbie, back up. But also, I need an explanation of some stuff. (laughs) So, fun. Go back, and this weaves into the discussion you and I really are having, which is, it's an existential game, but it's a game. Yeah. You got to enjoy it. One of the things that I love about my family is we have a good time. We laugh. we We are hard fighters. Uh, but but we few have as much capacity. If you came to Thanksgiving dinner with us, the way this team got bought was my brothers and I are sitting around smoking cigars and telling big stories, and they said you couldn't buy a club. I'll show you, you can buy a club, and you're laughing. <laughs> but 
Phil brings that joy to it. He also brings a sense of commercialism, commercial reality. So the plan for Wanderers TV is ultimately to build out a channel that has a lot of content. And you're starting to see more and more long-form interviews. For your area of what you do, to take and give a guy four minutes of time is huge. For us, to be able to do a 30-second thing that the world can see on Twitter, but bring them into eight or nine minutes or ten minutes, and by the way, sell them a shirt while they're there, or do a, uh, a background of, you know, what Pete's, people see Pete as the sort of folk hero of what's he do, but what's a real day in the life of Pete mm-hmm. like? Uh, when Gareth goes home, how, what do, we all know the music side, but these other sides, and building it as much as possible so that people feel that constant connectivity to the club so they're more likely, and this is the non-altruistic part, to want to go out and see them. I think that one of the things that we have done successfully that, again, we don't talk about, when we took over the club, they sold the prior year 90 or 95,000 pounds worth of merchandise. It only cost them about 120,000 to do that by the time you put in the labor and the materials. Last year, with COVID, with the shutdown, we exceeded 250, I want to say, our first full year. And this year, we'll be closer to 600,000. That begins to generate real revenue that we can maybe buy that striker that they want me to get instead of cutting out my fireworks. <laughs> um, and Wickham TV will be a big part of that. It will be... You know, I can see where Phil, we already do, is ringing the blues broadcast through it, which I think is terrific. But there will be other people out there. It wouldn't surprise me to see a former player come on board and do a weekly summary of League One or championship activity or all three, you know, sort of getting into it in a different way. Um what it sounds like you're you're eventually almost working towards is that actually you'll be able to come home from work and watch, you know, an hour or two of Wickham Wanderers content rather than watching yes. Sky, BBC, whatever. And, and if you think about it this way, and this sounds less sporting interested than I am, but, it, but it's a fair summary. I see the team as content and the major source of our content around which all the other content ultimately revolves but instead of just doing two hours of TV a week you'll be able to do six, eight, ten hours so that to your the guy who comes home from work flips it on what's going on well you know the latest is Joe Jacobson signed his contract for next year but we've got uh, Stephanie so-and-so, who's critical of that now, coming on to talk about it or who's in favor of it. Uh, And we're going to have a little five-minute show. But before we do that, let's go back and look at what Joe's done for the club over the past four years. And who else could we have gotten instead of Joe? You know, have some fun with it and make it interesting. The, The... 
part that's difficult is how much do you spend creating that for an audience of 23 people? And so how do you make that audience not 23? But I, I want to say we're pretty close to, uh, I don't want to use a number that turns out to be wrong, but we're, we're bumping up against a thousand people who are now doing the subscription on it. And, and as you get to that thousand, then that pays for a lot of cents. When you get to 5,000, you have something that really works. And I think that is very conceivable for us, particularly in the growth areas outside the UK. Uh, one of the things I'm proudest of is the whole worldwide wanderer phenomenon, which is created by, in whole cloth by me one day with, because I love the alliteration of it. <laughs> and I realize that people, we do have a worldwide deal. And so... And I, I love that we're finding out where some of these things have come from, from, from you buying <laughs> to, to the Wicked Wanderers worldwide phenomenon, which, which, which you know, it is just wonderful and, and fascinating. I think as well, going back to the Wanderers TV and the content, is that actually we have such interesting players and, yes. and coaching staff. You know, you, you hear some managers speaking after a game and they come out with the same thing over and over again. But Gareth is such an interesting character and, you know, the, the players as well. You know, Joe, Joe Jacobson that you mentioned, who does all of the, the tweets and stuff with right. his dad as well. And obviously Bayo, you know, there's, there's so, so much. One of the things I content. would tell you that comes from the vantage point of being 100 years old <laughs> is that I have learned that people are interesting. And if you give, if, if you have the right people asking questions, you find out that, you know, your dad used to go to Chicago, and therefore you became a Chicago Cubs fan. And, and so when somebody mentions Andre Dawson, you stand up and salute. What the <laughs> hell? Who would have thought that? But it requires, and you know this because the business you're in, a special person to do that interview. There are hundreds of interviewers who have the technique of saying, well, Joe, I noticed you were able to hit a left-in swinger from the corner, and that caught him off, off, off uh, guard. Isn't that right? Proving how smart the interviewer is, yeah. as opposed to a guy who says, Joe, what were you thinking when you walked up there? What, what was your goal when you, I know you wanted to score? And, and has that additional little bit of professionalism that can say, I wasn't sure, Joe, if you were going to go for a left-end swinger or not, because I saw Gareth cheating up there. What was happening there? You know, somebody who can engage in a discussion that leaves the listener informed mm -hmm. in a way they would not have been. Um, we had a baseball broadcaster for us 100 years ago. He was the smartest guy I've ever met in baseball. He was too smart by half because we had some very good people to interview. But his interviews were basically cross-examination techniques. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? Isn't it true? So, And they end up feeling like they're on the stand. And right. also, if you do that as well, they're not probably going to give you quite as much as, as if you right. just let them talk. They're, if you let people talk, they get into things that you never would have expected. And that becomes, that tangent may become the show. Yeah. So, so true. The question I have is, People have been so kind to us and things have gone so well. Have we built up an unjustifiable 
um, what's the right word, um, expectation in people's mind that nobody can now meet. It's always tricky, the success, isn't it? And it's, it, and it's such a football thing in that right. you, know, you, you appoint a new manager and that manager in their first season gets you promoted. And so the expectation goes through the roof. And if that net manager in that next season gets relegated and maybe struggles to, you know, to get out of the division the following season, then people are starting to, to snipe and whatever. I think it's slightly different in that you guys are the owners. I think we've seen so many terrible owners at places, and you'll know this from speaking to the guys at Berry. Yeah. Um, God, that guy was idiot and the, the trouble is there's so many of them you know in football over the years clubs are, are littered with you know with these terrible owners that have taken over so I you know I, I think everybody can see that actually what you're doing is comes from a really good place and comes from a, a love of soccer and a love of Wickham the fact that Pete is is there acting the whole time on your behalf you're you know you're, you're not the owner's who you never see. And that's where I think the criticism so often comes in right. is, you know, where, when you've got these, you know, and, and Everton maybe being a good example, you, you know, you've got a, a Chinese owner or whatever and they're never seen. And so there's a lot of sniping and a lot of, we don't really know what's going on. The fact that, you know, and I, I saw you a couple of weeks ago, you know, just just wandering down in front because I, I, I sit on the, the, you know, the, the tunnel side, right. Right? Um, what I always consider the old main stand. Um, you know, and, and saw you, you know, and you're so visible and Pete's so visible. And I think people love that, you know, and you're not just sitting in the in the director's box, are they? You're mingling. And so I think there's a huge amount of trust that actually the, the fans have. Well, one of the things that the reason I ask questions, I sense that. And it's something we deliberately, it's not that we deliberately change our person. It is who we are. Yeah, and that comes across as well. I don't believe you're putting on an act for a moment. <laughs> but it begins to create, you know, God, you wonder, can we meet our own level of expectation? Uh, because I am not fabulously rich and I am never going to be the guy, you know, we may put a couple of million bucks into the club this year uh, because we, we're doing a lot of infrastructure work and we're, Playing, paying the right way and the like, but but I'm not going to be the guy who's writing a twenty million pound yeah. check ever. So I worry about that. I the young, it's funny the the young Twitteristas, uh, yeah. they get crazy sometimes. And you know, I think if we don't go up this season, you know, the the. the yeah, you'll get the, the Facebook, the Twitter, you know, people will complain, you know, as I alluded to when, when we were chatting, you know, a few right. moments ago, you know, the people were calling for Gareth's head, saying he'd taken the club as far as, and exactly, exactly that. You know, you're, you're not going to, if we don't go up at, at the end, you know, even if we start badly next season, right. you're not going to get people saying coo Higgs out at all, at all. We're yeah. so far away from that. I have a buddy of mine here, Vince Provenza. He calls me. He's from New Orleans. He follows the club now. He calls in the Phil uh, or he texts Phil and all that. And, you know, his big deal is how are we still playing Ack and Fenwa? That's a bad sign, you know. And so I said, Phil, I, I, I said, Vince, complain. I don't care. I don't manage the team. Yeah, but you ought to have some influence. I, I could, I guess, but I'm never going to. I, and I think also the answer is he's still got something. He There's does something about it. 
you know, he can still bring he's that a ball wonderful down. guy. He's, he's a pretty, I, you know. We, when we're planning our end-of-the-season trip, we're doing it so that we can transition to next year or the playoffs. But also, I want to be there when we do the uh, goodbye to Matt Bloom yeah. field. We're going to do that on the 19th for the Plymouth game. And then on the 23rd, when it's goodbye to Bayo. Yeah. Uh, who has meant a lot. He's a he's a funny cat. When Trevor first introduced me to him, he came over and tried to give me the big bro hug, you know? And I said, man, I don't do that with anybody. And he said, you will with me before oh, it's wow. over. And, and by the next time I saw him, there I was. I mean, he's such a wonderful ambassador for he our is. club. For, for the sport. Yeah, yeah. You know, and a great human being.